You are listening to a sermon series from Open Door Fellowship Church. How we all doing? You're all not supposed to be here. It's too hot. You're supposed to go places, but you're not, so you're bad. Um, my name is Caleb Lynch. I'm a part of the preaching team here at Open Door, and as always, uh, super pumped to be with you, honored, all those good feelings, and uh, excited, nervous, all of that. So um, if you are new here, we have been in uh, this, this Roman series, but it's been from Romans 12 to the end of the book. And we have this week and next week, and then we're done. So there you go. Many of you are not as sad about that, but that's where we're going to be. Um, no, it's been, a, it's been a blessing. It's been wonderful, um, beautiful, beautiful passages, been taught by many, and uh, thankful that I get to teach the final two weeks on it. Um, how good was Bob Ryan last week? The story goes like this. Um, if you were here last week, he taught on like 16 chapter or 16 verses on all greetings and names greet greetings from so and so please greet so and so please greet uh and and uh the story goes like this i was originally going to lump those into these two weeks because i didn't want to really preach on them and uh Bob comes up to me and he says hey i i hear you're not really excited to preach on all those names and all the greetings and I said, no, 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 I got it. I'll, I'll do it. I got it. I got it. And he goes, well, I, I would like to preach on him if, if, if you would let me. I have something I think that, that I could give. And I said, well, yeah, sh- sure. Like, if you, wanted to, if you wanted to do it, I mean, I had a whole couple of weeks I was going to do on it. It was going to be legit. But if you, got, if you feel like you've, you've got something. And so he preaches on it. And he does a phenomenal job, except... <laughs> If you could put the first slide up, um, his last verse was a simple verse, greet one another with a holy kiss, and, and I was here, he didn't cover it. He just, he just ha- he has this verse as one of them, and all the other ones are just names and greet and greet and greet, and the final words are greet one another with a holy kiss. And quite frankly, I was disappointed that he didn't cover it, uh, for selfish reasons, my, my holy kiss game has not been strong. Um, I, quite frankly, have, have no idea what makes a kiss a holy kiss versus a non-holy kiss, and I was hoping to discover that. Um, either way, Bob, next time you teach, if you could come back and teach that, that would be helpful. We will, we will, and this is a little, little teaser, we are going to be doing First Thessalonians is our next uh, book we're going to be teaching through, and we're super pumped about it, and towards the end of that book, there is greet one another with a holy kiss, and I think we'll get Bob right back in <laughs> and see what he does. So, um, let us pray. Let us pray for this morning. Would, would, one, would someone from the audience pray for us this morning? Would someone just, where you're at, just pray for, for me and this book and where we're going. Would someone just lift us to the Lord? Thank you so much. Thanks, Debra. 
Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, pull them out today. We're going to be all over the place in Scripture and kind of bouncing all abouts. Um, And so just kind of be ready to turn with me. Um, I probably won't wait for you, but but I'm happy to have you join me. So um, if you look at your portico, it says that we're going to be Romans 16, uh, verses 17 through 24. Um, But I didn't want to teach on 21 through 24 today, so we're cutting that out. Because again, it's a bunch of greetings, and I'm just going to make Bob teach it. So um, we are we will be dealing with 17 through 20 today, and we'll we'll pick up from 21 on uh, next week. So let me read it. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrance, hindrance contrary to the teaching which you have learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good, and I want you to be innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with you. A couple of a uh, couple of thoughts before we dive into the scripture. Um, this is kind of an interesting bit here that he, that he's that Paul's getting into. He's really finished his thoughts, and where where we've been, you know, he's really been talking about how then shall we live if Romans one through twelve is true, if it's what we believe, if it's what we hold fast to, then how shall we live? And that's where we've been for 12 through pretty much 15. Um, and as he gets into 16, he does his greetings. And now it's interesting. It's, it's, it's as though he's going, wait, 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 wait. One last thought. I got to get one more thing in there. One, hold on, hold on. One, one more thought, one more quick thought. And um, many believe, if you know much of Paul's writings, he actually has someone that's writing for him. So Paul is giving the words and someone is writing for him. Many believe that Paul took the pen at this point. And it was like last minute, hey, hey, I, I got one, one more thought, one more thought. And so just just interesting to know that, interesting to have that as you're reading these words. Um, another interesting observation is we started this series and the first words were, brethren, I urge you, and kind of his last closing thought is, now I urge you, brethren. There's another, another observation worth looking at. Third observation is this will be the first time that Paul talks about uh, the person of Satan, the devil. All through Romans, which we could say easily is one of the most conclusive understandings of our doctrine of, of Christ and Christianity and Satan gets one sentence, and it's ten words long. And the only time he is brought up, it is about his destruction. Interesting. Worth noting. There are other times that he talks throughout Romans about principalities of, of darkness and different things, but this will be the first time that he uses the word Satan or the devil. Put up the first slide, if, the next slide. Um, actually, hold on on that. So I'm going to just read 17, 
and 18 for us, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. It says, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissension and hindrance, contrary to the teaching which you have learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of the Lord Christ, but of their own appetite, and by smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Evil, darkness, wickedness has a, has a consistency to it, has a predictability to it, has uh, something that you can almost point to almost every single time in it, and it is that the root of what we could say almost all evil is selfishness. We see it with Satan, the evil one. His desire for power, his desire to be equals with God, his desire, the, 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 it's selfishness. We see Eve in the garden being told she can't have the knowledge, right? And she goes, I, I want that. Give me that. We see all throughout humanity, when evil shows up, it has a consistency and it's called selfishness. Sometimes that selfishness turns into pride. I can't be wrong. I won't be wrong. I don't care what it means to you, but I will not be wrong. Sometimes it can look like greed. Sometimes it can look like coping. I'm in so much pain that I don't care what you're going through. I just need to deal with me. I just need to get what I need, and I don't care about the wake behind me. This selfishness can, can rear its head in all different areas. And if you read what he writes, he says, these men who um, create dissension, which is literally division, and hindrance, which is literally uh, uh, stumbling blocks that cause you to sin, that take you away from the truth which you have learned, these men, it says... They're not, they're not serving the Lord. They're serving their own appetites, their own bellies. He says, be, be aware of it. Note it. Know that it'll be there. Recognize it. Get good at seeing it coming through the door. And some of the hard words are, and turn away from it. Avoid it. I love this parable that Jesus gives us, and I want us to go there. Uh, Matthew 13, we'll have it up on the board here. This is Matthew 13, 24 through 28. I'm going to read it. Jesus presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sows good seed in the field, but when his men were sleeping, his enemy came and he sowed tares among the wheat and then went away but when the wheat sprouted and bore grain then the tares became evident also the slaves of the landowner came and said to him sir did, did you not sow good seed in your field how, how then does it have tares and he said to them an enemy has done this
don't, don't be surprised by evil. Don't be surprised by those who corrupt. Don't be surprised by those who deceive and divide. The enemy is at work. And he is consistent and he is faithful to his task. Don't let it surprise you. Be aware of it. But, but what I want to say here is this. Open door. We, we have been in a season where these tears have been showing up. But the tears, let, let me explain this for you. So wheat, you know how it grows. It grows in these stalks, and then at the very end, it, it produces this bulb of grain, right? Tears, all the way to the point until it blooms, look almost identical. You couldn't tell them apart until they bloom, right? And so this example is this idea of evil and wickedness. At times, you don't even know it's around. He says, they talk with flattering words and smooth speech. You oftentimes can't even recognize it until all of a sudden, boom, it's there. We have been in a season where boom, it's there has been around us. And I want to say to you, Open Door, I am sorry for that because I know it's been painful. I know it's been hard and it's been confusing. And I know many of you, like the farmer slaves, are going, didn't we sow good seeds? Like what just happened? Weren't there good seeds? Weren't there good crops? How did these tares get in? And as the farmer says, I hope we would all say uh, it was the enemy. It was the enemy that did it. And so, Open Door, I want to say I'm sorry because of what you've experienced, but I also want to say I'm sorry for the rest of your life because the evil one is always present and he is always sowing tares. And he has a consistency to him and he breathes selfishness within to mankind. And no matter where you go, no matter what church you attend, no matter what people group you spend time with, boom, you'll recognize at times, holy cow, that was darkness. I didn't know it was here. I didn't recognize it. Holy cow. I thought we planted good seed. Yeah, but there's an evil one. There's an enemy. The interesting thing about these tares is if you were to just take your crop and produce it and, and then go to eat it, these tares would make you uh, extremely sleepy and sick. Isn't that interesting? Let's keep going. He shifts gears here a lot, and this is why some people think that Paul takes the pen at this point. Because it, it's kind of all over the place. And here's, here's the next verse. If, if you have it, let's put it up. For the report of your obedience reached to all. Therefore, I rejoice over you. Your brother John Tanus just came up and used the words, sometimes you don't know what you have until it's not there. And he was encouraging us to say, open door, your obedience, this place has been known 
by many. Open door, your obedience in this season and in seasons past and over the last 45 years has been known by many. And I can tell you for me, my heart is overwhelmed with joy as I look out at your faces because you cats are the real deal. You are. Like you're the real deal. Like, like you've stayed obedient to the truths of this book, to the doctrine of grace, to the promise of the good news, and you have stayed obedient. And there are many thousands and thousands that know of your obedience. That is worth rejoicing. You are worthy of applaud in that. That is a big deal. In the midst of terrors shooting up and becoming aware that they are terrors, you, open door, have stayed obedient to your first love. And I'm so proud of every single one of you in here. He continues and he says, I want you to be wise in what is good and I want you to be innocent in what is evil. You can put that verse up. Oh, it's already up. I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. He's taking these verses a couple different spots. One is Matthew 10.16. And Matthew 10.16 says, I'm sending you out as sheep with wolves. I, I, I want you to be super discerning. And I also want you to be innocent like a dove. Later in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14.20, he says the same thing. In your knowledge, I want you to be incredibly wise. But when it comes to evil, I want you to be as innocent as a child. He's saying, I want you to be an expert at what is good. Open door. Be an expert to what is good. Philippians says, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is true, meditate on such things. Stir in such things. But he also says, I want you to be a child when it comes to evil. The amount of times I've had to talk to my seven-year-old and my five-year-old and have to explain to them that I'm simply trying to protect them from harm's way because they don't understand it. They can't, they're, they're innocent enough that they don't even see the darkness lurking. Often I have to say, this is for your own good. You have no idea. There's bad people. There's bad things. Bad guys. And they, 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 they right? He's asking us, would, would you be innocent to evil? Don't even play with it. Don't even sniff at it. Don't, don't, even, don't, even, don't even go there. Would you be so innocent to the things that are evil? It's interesting. This is a church he's never been to. This church in Rome. And yet Paul, because of where he's been, he knows the predictability of evil. He knows what it does. He knows how it shows up. He knows where its roots are. And so he's saying to this church, he's never met, he's never gone here. 
He's met some of the people, but he's, he's not literally been with them. And he's, and he's warning them of this evil because he knows it's there. And he knows if they haven't seen it yet, it'll show up. He continues, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. The reference point for this verse is Genesis 3.15. God is talking to the serpent and he says, the seed of the woman, talking about Jesus, will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. That's the reference point here. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It's interesting, these words, God of peace, followed by crush. Interesting thought. Um... Pretty hard to have peace when you have evil. Pretty hard to have peace when evil is present. When dissension is present. And so if there is any man on earth who gets to use peace, any being in existence that gets to use peace, his name would be called the Prince of Peace, and he would have to crush evil in order to create peace. There's a hard word in this sentence. And the word is soon. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. This was written 2,000 years ago. It's a hard word. Soon. It's very clear uh, that that as, as as we study, this is not some event that took place in Rome where Satan was crushed two weeks later. He's referencing the full destruction of the evil one. And he uses the words carefully. He doesn't have to say them. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. No, he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I want to tell you a story. You don't have to go there, but I ask that you read it at some point. Turn your Bibles at some point over the next week or so and read through Joshua. Read through Joshua. Joshua 3, there's an event that takes place. And um, it goes something like this. 500 years earlier, the, the Israelites, the Jews, are promised a promised land. They are promised a home. They are promised a nation. They are promised safety. They're promised a promised land. 500 years earlier. And now we have Joshua. And one morning he gets woken up by the Lord. And the Lord says to him, "Um, tomorrow morning you're going to cross the Jordan River to the promised land. It's going to be yours tomorrow. Joshua goes, "Like, like you're talking tomorrow? Like, you know, it's been like a couple minutes since, since you said, so you're saying tomorrow is it. And God goes, yeah, tell the people, pack up their tents, we're crossing the Jordan and you're going to have the promised land, the thing I've been promising you. 
and he goes, hey, God, um, I, like, I'm, I'm stoked. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm stoked. There's two million of them, and you're asking us to pack up the tents, and, and it writes this in Joshua. At this time, the banks of the Jordan were overflowing. It says it's this time of year that the banks of the Jordan are, like, breaching their borders. And he's going, like, we had a lot of days in there, God, and now we've got this Jordan River that's like rushing through. It's big, and I got two million people that I'm supposed to get across. Are you, like, are we certain here? And he says, yeah, go tell them. And so they do. The next morning they pack up, and it says that the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant start walking towards the Jordan River. Here's this, <laughs> here's this river that's just hailing through, and they're like, so we just go right in? And we just like... You sure? I mean, okay. And it says that they put their feet into the edge of the brink of the water. Like, how cool of a description is that? Like, like one toe is touching the water. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> We're going in. Okay, here we go. And they go in, and it says that far, far away in a town called Adam, can't make this stuff up. This is in here. In a town called Adam, the water's backed up. And the Ark of the Covenant, the representation of God Himself, the, the presence of God, the promise of a Savior, steps into the water and it says that he steps, they step onto dry ground. And the beautiful part about this is in this story, it is your God that goes before you. And He promises dry ground and He promises that His promises will be true. And that was 500 years. And you go, yeah, but this one's 2,000 years. And I don't really feel like Satan has been destroyed or crushed under my foot. I don't even know what that would mean. Like, I feel like I feel Satan all the time around me. I feel like evil is always present. What are you talking about soon? I want to turn us to Second uh, Peter. And this is uh, chapter 3, verse 3. And he writes this. This is, his, this is his second letter. And he says, Know this first of all, that in the last day mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust. Did I say that evil was consistent? The mockers will come following their own lust. And they will say... Where is this promise of Him coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, ever since the fathers passed on, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. <laughs> He's coming soon. Really? A couple of verses down, Peter writes this. This is verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promises, as some count slowness, but He is patient towards you. The Israelites, the Jews, they waited a half a day according to this calculation. <laughs> and we're at day two. A thousand years is like one day. I want to say something. I believe there will be a day 
that, that Satan will be crushed. Notice who's doing the crushing. It says God will crush. He's doing the crushing. I'm not doing any crushing. Satan happens to be under my foot, but I didn't do the crushing. I do believe that there will be a day. Revelations 20 says that the evil one will be cast into the lake of fire and that we will rule and reign with the Lord in heaven. And I believe that on that day, no more evil will exist. I believe that's coming. But I do believe that in this current, right now, the head of Satan has been crushed and is continuing to be crushed. I want to, I want to read a verse for you. This is Colossians, um, this is Colossians 2.13. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your faith, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us of all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of our debt, considering the decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And He has taken it out of the way. And He has nailed it up on the cross. Here's the good part. He did it when He had disarmed the rulers and the authorities. And He made public display of them, having triumphed over them. The cross of Jesus Christ when He died and was crucified and He raised again was a big time crush to Satan. Like so much so that all of my sins, all of my transgressions are no longer accounted against me. Like that's a big deal when you talk about crushing the evil one who is trying to hold those against us. In some ways, he is under my foot. He doesn't have his authority the way he would have had his authority had the cross not taken place. He is under my foot. I want to read something else, and we'll put this one up on the board. I want to read you Ephesians 6. This is current. This is right now. This is Ephesians six twelve. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the evil one, so that you will be able to crush the evil one under your foot. And having done so, stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. What does he say? He says, Be an expert about good. Having trusted in truth, gird your loins. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, believing that the day that He was was crucified and you trusting in Him, you became in right standing with Him that there was nothing that you could do, there was no wrong you could do that would separate you from Him. Trusting in that truth, And having your feet prepared with the gospel of peace. Knowing that there is a man that is capable of distinguishing evil and crushing evil for the purposes of peace. Believing that. Put your feet on that. And having your feet in preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. 
every single time you choose love over hate, you are crushing the evil one under your foot. He, through you, is crushing the evil one under your foot. Every time you choose to say, I'm sorry, over choosing your way, you're right, the evil one is being crushed under your feet. Every time you fall on your knees and you call out to the Most High God and you say, God, I need you. I don't know what to do without you. I'm lost without you. Every single time you call on the name of Yahweh, you are crushing the head of the serpent under your foot. Every time. You are taking the power away from Him and you are putting the power where it belongs. And that is in the Prince of Peace. So be encouraged this day, open door, that even though there are terrors and you don't always recognize them, and even though they show up when you least expect them, and even though the evil one is present and he is at work and he is consistent in his selfish desire that he breeds into human beings, even though those are realities Believe this and be encouraged by this, that one day that evil being will be fully distinguished, have no authority over you forever, for all of eternity, and that know now, right now, in this current season, that you have power over such evil because you have the living God indwelling you. And know that on a day several couple thousand years ago that a man hung from a cross to take away all the evil, all the evil, and have authority over it. And he rose from the dead to prove that it worked. And we can celebrate that. We can praise that. We can rejoice in that. We can stand firm in that. And we can be fully confident that he went before us and that there is promise of solid ground. God, we thank You. We know the victory is Yours. We trust the victory is Yours. We put our full weight in the fact that the evil one has been and will be distinguished. God, would You make us alert? Would You make us alert to be able to discern the evil? And would You allow us to hope in the good? Would would You allow us to see the good in the midst of the evil? And God, would we find ourselves calling out to you and saying, God, I need you. We trust you, we love you, and we give you our lives. And it is in your son's name. Amen.